Good morning, friends. Today's message, time to jolly up. You know, in the past month or so, I've been writing some words of encouragement to the men at Angola and Hunt Prisons in Louisiana. One of the latest messages has been about cheerfulness. Now, while this may seem to be kind of a strange message to send to a bunch of people who are locked up and in the last year and a half locked in, it seemed to be a great time to remind them to jolly up even in hard times. Now, today I want us to think a little bit about biblical realism, not optimism or pessimism. In order to do that and to get our thoughts clearly focused, we're going to go to the book of Proverbs and read a number of verses. First of all, from chapter 12, verse 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Now, that's mostly observation. I mean, kind words do cheer up those who are discouraged. And then from chapter 14, verse 10, each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. Now, the first part of that is certainly true. There are those of us who have secret sorrows. There are those of us who, though we may look good and may be well-dressed and have a smile on our face behind that smile, there's a story of sorrow and heartache that we don't really share with anyone else. Or chapter 14, verse 13. Even in laughter, the heart may ache and joy may end in grief. Now, how true that is, even... When we are laughing and putting on a brave face, even when we are going through the motions and trying to be incredibly positive, on the inside there may be turmoil, heartache, discouragement, and maybe even despair. Now, just because you see somebody laughing and smiling, it does not mean that everything is completely okay. Underneath that laughter, there may be something you know nothing about. Or Proverbs 14, verse 30, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Boy, if that's not a life verse. Envy rots the bones. Now, in the Hebrew, it literally means envy makes the bones disintegrate. It's kind of an important verse. It's telling us that there's some kind of connection between the spiritual and the physical. There's some kind of connection between the heart and the body, between what goes on inside and what happens outside. The attitude of the heart has a direct impact on the physical well-being or lack thereof. If your heart's at peace, it gives life to the body. I mean, envy causes the bones of the body to disintegrate. Or chapter 15, verse 13. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. Same chapter, verse 15. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. See, the cheerful heart eats a feast at the table of the Lord. But now I'm finally getting to our theme message the theme verse for this message is found in Proverbs 17:22, which says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Now, this is one of those places where I, I actually kind of like the King James Version a little bit better. The King James Version says, A merry heart doeth good like medicine. Actually, that's a little bit better translation of the Hebrew. You could actually put a star by that verse. It's suggesting something to us. It tells us there is a relationship between the condition of the heart and the condition of the body. A relationship between physical and spiritual health. I mean, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Literally means it sucks out the marrow of life from the bones. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? I'm sure that we all know people who struggle with sickness and weakness, yet when you go to see them, they they end up cheering you up. People are down and out physically, but when you go to visit them, they actually make you feel better because they're strong in spirit, even though the body is wasting away. 
Now, on the other hand, we all know people who are sick and yet their spirit is crushed. When you go see them, you, you feel worse when you leave than when you came because they've just literally sucked the life out of you. Now, these verses are telling us that there is a basic relationship between your mental attitude and your physical well-being. Said another way, what you are in your heart has a direct bearing on your physical health. What is on the inside eventually manifests itself physically on the outside. Now, having said that, I want to ask and answer two questions. Question number one, why is it that a merry heart is so important? Well, the answer comes actually from Paul's letter to the Romans, the truth in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, friends, it's a tough world out there, a world filled with sin, sickness, heartache, and despair. But thank God, sin's not the final word in this world. There's a word beyond sin, beyond the fall, beyond degradation, and that word is Jesus. Because Jesus has come into the world, there's now healing, salvation, forgiveness, and deliverance. Now, what does Romans 8.28 mean by all things? Well, (laughs) it means all things. I mean, it's pretty inclusive. It includes all that can happen in the life of a child of God. It includes the good, the bad, the ugly, the wealth, poverty, struggle, sunlight, shadow, high noon, midnight, life, and death. It is all that can happen in the will of God to a child of God. That means that Romans 8.28 is still true, just as true in the hospital as in the sanctuary. It means that when you are in the waiting room and that clock will not move and you know your loved one is in the hands of a surgeon, that no matter the outcome, whether life or death or cancer or no cancer, whether you see him or her again, you know that moment is in God's hands. It is part of the all things that work together for good. You see, there is nothing that can happen to the child of God that's outside of the all things of Romans 8.28. Now, a merry heart, a happy heart is important because God is saying, my child, sometimes you're going to face things you can't understand. Sometimes you're going to face heartache and pain and difficulty that goes far beyond anything you thought you could endure. Sometimes you're going to be in the waiting room of life for weeks and months and years, but I want you to know that even there I'm with you and I'm working out my plan in your life. See, what we are to do at those moments is to stand back and over those these unexplainable things of life, We are to build a sign that says, quiet, God at work. Romans 8.28 tells us that God is at work whether we see it or not, whether we feel it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we believe it or not. So our attitude makes all the difference at that moment. So the question is not, do we have the answers? Because I can assure you that at that moment you're not. The question is, do you believe that there is a God who's at work in this situation? And the Christ follower's answer is, Yes. That's how you have a merry heart, even in the darkest moment of life. You can have a cheerful spirit if you believe there is a God in heaven who loves you, who's at work in ways that you cannot see, believe, or understand. Now, why is that? It's because of Proverbs 17:22, a merry heart does good like medicine. The Hebrew language has a number of tenses in it, and one of the tenses is called the causative tense. You put a verb in the causative tense when you want to say that one thing causes another to happen. And that's what you have in the Hebrew in Proverbs 17.22. A literal translation would be, a cheerful heart causes good healing. 
Now, what the Bible is telling us here is that your attitude, the way you approach the problems and trials of life, actually brings about good healing. And i got to tell you, that's pretty amazing. Well, here's question number two. How can we cultivate a merry heart? Well, the answer is, I'm going to give you eight answers in closing. First of all, cultivate your relationship with God. Make sure you spend time with him. Don't just seek peace with him. But remember, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul reminds us in Romans 5.1. Second of all, cultivate a forgiving spirit. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted and gentle, forgiving one another as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I mean, some people are suffering physically because they're just angry, they're bitter, and they refuse to forgive. And there are people who suffer deeply physically because they will not forgive. I mean, envy rots the bones. Anger rots the bones. Unforgiveness rots the bones. Bitterness rots the bones. And maybe if you wonder why you're not doing well and why you can't sleep at night, why you have stomach aches and headaches and back aches and why you're messed up all the time and just don't feel good, why don't you look in the mirror and maybe what you'll see is an angry person. Until you do something about your anger and bitterness, you might just continue to be sick because the Bible says it will happen that way. It literally rots your bones. But third, dwell on unseen realities. Think about the things that you know to be true, but you can't see. Things like heaven, eternity, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Well, four, keep the long view of life. This is the secret of Proverbs fifteen fifteen, which says the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Now, does that mean you're going to kind of ha 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 your way through life? Uh, no, not at all. What it means is that if you take the long view of life, if you stand back and understand that God is involved in every part of life, Not just the good part, but the bad. If you look at the whole thing, you truly can have a continual feast. Well, five, hang out with cheerful people. I mean, some of us are messed up because we hang out with a bunch of messed up people. We're angry because we hang out with angry people. We're bitter because we hang out with the bitter. We're mad because we're around people who are mad and critical and angry all the time. I mean, find some cheerful people to make you cheerful. Six, be a load lifter and not a burden maker. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So don't be one of those people who makes life harder on other people. Be a load lifter. And seven is listen to some good music. I mean, God gave us music as a means of lifting sad hearts. I mean, as I was writing this, I thought about this one old hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That kind of lifted my heart this past week. I mean, God gives us a lot of good music, traditional, contemporary, whatever, told us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to lift the heart. And eight, live a life of active love. I ran across this sentence this past week. A selfish man can never be cheerful. Yes, he can be happy, but not cheerful. I mean, only a giver can really be cheerful. Only a lover, someone who invests in the lives of other people, only that kind of person can really be cheerful and positive about life. So get involved in the lives of others, and you will have a cheerful heart. Now, friends, it has been a hard year and a half plus. But Jesus carried us through. He's a wonderful Savior. So be encouraged. Lift up your heads and rejoice for the Son of God, who has brought us this far, promises to be with us to the end.
And no matter what happens to us this week, this next month, this next year, whatever, Jesus will be with us. To that I say, Amen. And I also say, come on, friends, jolly up. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.